will Mars astronauts need to be vegan? If the vegan bubble has burst, what's the body shop up to? And who wants to hear from a country who is grilling its presidential candidates on their animal rights policies? Anyway, that's enough of the falafel. I'm Julie. And I'm Anthony, and this is episode 21 of Vegan Week. Anthony, what's all this episode 21 nonsense about? The last episode of Vegan Week was episode 16. Yes, well, it's a bit of a a boring technical anomaly, but basically because we've got multiple shows now, we've got our Going Vegan shows, which hopefully, listeners, you have checked out already, and we are splitting our regular show into two bits. This is the Vegan Week bit where we talk about the news, and then on Thursdays, there's the Vegan Talk Show where we pick one issue and home in on a bit more detail. I wasn't sure what to do with the numbers, but rest assured, nothing's changed. The bottom line is you'll be able to find all enough of the falafel episodes in the usual places on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Anyway, thank you everyone for joining us for the first episode of Vegan Week of 2024. As ever, our show is produced in partnership with Fire and Flow Coffee. If you love great coffee, and they do tea as well, I've noticed, want to spend your money with vegan businesses and love a cheeky discount, head over to fireandflowcoffee.co.uk and enter Falafel10. That's Falafel10 at the checkout to get 10% off your order. Thanks, Julie. Right, enough of the Falafel. Let's look at the last week's news. So, as with every episode of Vegan Week, our mission is to give a balanced and informed rundown and commentary of our top 10 vegan and animal rights news stories from the week. Anthony, what's our first story this week? Well, it's a beautifully poetic story, as far as I'm concerned anyway, with certain news outlets continuing to peddle the myth that the vegan bubble has burst... We've got a bubble bath and cosmetic brand, the co- the body shop, who have become the first 100% certified vegan global brand. We got this story from plant-based news. So the story reports that the body shop has officially become what's thought to be the first global beauty brand to be completely vegan with all products now certified by the Vegan Society. In 2021, when 60% of their range was vegan, it set the target to become 100% vegan by 2023. So they're a few days late, but we'll, we'll let them off perhaps. Whilst there's already many vegan beauty brands out there, of course, The Body Shop is thought to be the first major international cosmetics company to transition to making only vegan products. Now, The Body Shop is one of the world's most well-known beauty brands with around 3,000 stores in more than 65 countries. The Vegan Society assessed more than 4,000 ingredients to certify more than 1,000 Body Shop products as vegan. Now, Bruno de Oliveira, Global Head of Research and Innovation at The Body Shop, told Plant-Based News, we've gone through an extensive process with the Vegan Society to ensure that there are no animal products, byproducts or derivatives in the manufacture and or development of our ranges. Now, interestingly, honey and beeswax were the most common animal-derived ingredients found in Body Shop's previously non-vegan products, but obviously all of that has changed now. A few products also contain shellac, 
secreted by lac insects or lanolin, which is an oil extracted from sheep's wool. Julie, what's your take on this? Are you jumping up and down with glee? I am, yes. Shout out to the body shop for leading the way. You're right, you know, it has taken them a wee while and all the rest of it. But what I'm really, really hoping is that they will thrive, that they will really, I know they're very successful already, but if they report a kind of upturn in sales, and I will certainly be continuing to shop with them, then that will be leading the way for other companies who say that they cannot let go of these other ingredients that you have mentioned there. I know over the years I have sent quite a number of emails to different companies about you know, checking out if their products were vegan or not. And a lot of the time they have not been and these other ingredients have been the sticking point for them. They've told me they cannot manufacture their products satisfactorily without them. So this is great. And while we're here, Lush, are you listening? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, I used to work for Lush. That was my first job when I left school. And I was working for them at the time when the body shop was sold to L'Oreal. And there was a big hoo-ha there because obviously L'Oreal test, certainly tested on animals. I, I assume they, yeah, they still do. I boycotted them at that point. Yeah, yeah well, there was a, a big sort of from from people in the in the lush bubble that I was in sort of saying, oh, gosh, you know, they've, they've sold out. We're the ethical leaders now. But like you say, it, it, it gives a, a brilliant opportunity for one-upmanship in terms of being as ethical as possible and I, th I think it I don't know about you Julie but I find if if I know there's a one-stop shop for everything then that just I just love giving my brain the opportunity not to have to think so for example I know that Superdrug's own brand stuff is is always vegan and not tested animals so I just know right okay I'll go there and I think that's the difference or it can be anyway can't it if you know that there's somewhere you can go you can rely on it's certified 100% vegan that's going to make a big difference for a lot of people, isn't it? And yes. ho hopefully they're sort of rewarded for that, I guess. Yes, definitely. Now, Julie, it's not just global brands going vegan at the turn of the year, is it? No, it's not. From the Argus, Luz FC goes vegan for a women's championship match. Now, to be clear... This is a football club's menu swapping to a 100% plant-based menu for one match. So a slightly hyperbolic headline. But let's hear the rest of the story. So Luz FC down in Sussex in the UK is offering a discount on tickets to their Barclays Women's Championship fixture against Durham to mark Veganuary. The fixture will also see the club selling plant-based food and drink only. Steph McLaughlin, commercial manager at the club, said, We hope that this initiative brings more vegan fans to the club, while also encouraging people to make kinder and more sustainable food choices. Fans will be able to get a 20% discount on tickets to the fixture on January the 21st by using the code vegans rock when they book. On normal match days, around half of the food options on offer are vegan. The stadium offers unique and unorthodox dishes such as seaweed on chips, creamy vegan chicken pie 
and vegan meatballs on chips. Bradley Pritchard, a midfielder in the men's team, has even started his own pitchside community garden as a condition in his contract. It grows food for the community and has prompted free plant-based cooking classes available to all. Lou's FC are famously the first gender equal club in the world with equal budgets and resources for both their men's and women's sides. The club is community owned and non-profit. Anthony, it's a bit of a trek to Sussex from where you live, but still you've got to be tempted to pay them a visit later this yeah, month. I, I really am. It's it's about an hour's drive to Forest Green Rovers from where I am. And I have made that journey probably half a dozen times just because they're a completely vegan football club or their their, their food outlets are certainly. But yeah, it's it's great, isn't it? I, I'm glad you, you pointed out this slightly hyperbolic headline. It does really annoy me when people say, oh, so-and-so is going vegan. And it just means they're going plant based for one meal. It's not not quite the same, is it? But but no, still, it's loads of great initiatives by this club. Other than the seaweed and chips, I mean, I assume that people must must go for it because that's seaweed. Presumably, is going to be quite expensive to waste if people aren't ordering that. Would you be tempted to to dabble in that, Julie? But seaweed on chips? Well, I mean. <laughs> It's very good for you nutritionally with all the iodine and all the rest of it. I have personally not had success eating seaweed because it tastes too fishy for my liking and you get bits of gritty things that feel like crab shells and little (laughs) crab's legs that I can imagine are in there. I have slight reservations about them doing that only in that if they're trying to make peaceful plant-based food normalised, you don't achieve that by making it freaky and sort of a bit way out. But, yeah. you know, m- maybe people are, I mean, the nori and sushi and all these things, you know, maybe they are a bit more mainstream. Well, it, it seems like that's on their, their normal match day menu as well. So I, I assume there must there must be a proportion of people that, that order that each week, otherwise they wouldn't bother. But it, it seems like a really pioneering club, doesn't it? You know, there's there's yes. more than just more than just one plant based day uh, that's going on. I love love the idea of one of their players having a, a pitch side community garden as part of their contract. It's it's great, isn't it? It shows yes. shows it can be done, and it seems like they're they're the second tier down in the women's league. So it's not like they're a completely obscure club. You know, they're doing reasonably well compared to a lot of teams. So no, it's great, isn't it? Still probably a bit too far for me to 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 travel, but uh, we'll certainly wish them the best, won't we? Right, let's take a step away from the veganuary-related news for a moment and look at things directly affecting animals right now. Yes, starting with this one from the Daily Mail, although it's popped up in a lot of places on my feed this week. London nightclub Infernos rehomes fish kept in a tank next to its dance floor after backlash from animal rights activists. Inferno's nightclub in Clapham, with its glittery lights and retro decor, has decided to rehome its fish, which were kept in a tank next to the dance floor. The move comes after a video went viral on TikTok with the caption, no matter how bad your life is, just remember you're not a fish living at Inferno's. Now, many people then complained, presumably in the comments, but I'm inferring from this that they also sent direct messages uh, to the nightclub. The RSPCA backed 
animal activists' views, saying that the bright lights, loud music and large number of people made venues such as nightclubs a poor environment for an animal. Now, the venue has confirmed the fish have been rehomed and are extremely happy in their new environment. Hopefully not the biggest win we'll hear of this year, Julie, but I guess it shows that that single issue campaigns can have an effect. Is that your takeaway from this? I guess so. How do you know when a fish is extremely happy? I'd love to know. Yeah. How do you tell? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? and, and interesting that they're they're taking an interest in how happy the fish are now. It, yeah. it kind of highlights that that wasn't really on their agenda in the first place, but we probably could have guessed that. Yeah, um, I'm of a mind to say, you know, fish in tanks full stop please, you know, let's not do that, people. Um, They are not decorations. Um, And we don't know. Well, I don't know. I don't think I could tell if a fish was really unhappy or happy. So you don't know what you're inflicting on them. But yeah, I I would just go, just don't go there. Just don't even take the risk. (laughs) Yeah, I think in a sense, there's, there's, it's worked in the fish's favour in this case, but there's almost a bit of human projection going on saying like, oh, I wouldn't want to be in the middle of this dance floor the whole of my life. Therefore, we'll get rid of these fish. But actually, I mean, I know a lot of restaurants near me where they have fish tanks. And actually, that there's nothing to say that those fish are any more happy just because they're in a relatively peaceful restaurant compared to a nightclub like you say it's like any kind of tank with stuff going on nearby and and a restriction it's a restriction of liberty isn't it for goodness sake like compared to living in a lake or a a sea or a a stream it's it's massively different and we just just shouldn't be doing it but i suppose when you think about it and i'm no expert at all on fish at all but Mm. if you are looking at an environment that is about as far away from their natural environment as is possible that would be a nightclub with flashing lights and lots of people. So they're kind of surely attuned to be in sort of relatively dingy, dark environments and away from lots of noise and human beings. So I think we can take it that the the nightclub is about the worst place they could be. Really. Yeah, that that's the low hanging fruit, isn't it? But I guess my, my hope would be that from there, you, we're making that, that next step like you're saying to, to kind of say well actually this restaurant's not that much different or this what whatever environment it is yeah it's it's a far cry from where these fish would naturally be living um but i guess we have to go for the low-hanging fruit first don't we but um yeah, so. yeah relatively positive story i think we'll, we'll take that one as but um now on to a story with a far less positive outcome julie Yes, a truly horrific story now. We'll not dwell on it for too long, but it's important that we do mention it. A warning, many listeners may find the following details particularly upsetting. From the Animal Reader, major stable fire kills 50,000 chickens in the Netherlands. About 50,000 chickens died on Wednesday in a large stable fire in the village of Perflick in the Netherlands. The animals were locked in a barn that caught fire on New Year's Eve due to an unknown cause. The fire spread quickly due to the strong wind. Even more upsettingly, the fire brigade allowed the stable to burn. A nearby stable, which also has around 50,000 chickens locked up, was kept wet. 
The fire was discovered by company employees who live next to the stables. They were unable to remove the chickens from the stables. Firefighters couldn't do that either because it was deemed too dangerous for them there, and there were no sprinklers in the stables. According to the Animal Reader, stable fires have become common in the Netherlands, often killing many animals. The country's animal welfare is seriously threatened by them. Large numbers of animals are frequently locked up in barns and fires can result in the loss of thousands of animal lives in one single incident. Last October, the Dutch Safety Board reported that the approach to stable fires is stagnating and fire safety is not improving in the Netherlands. In 2022, more than 130,000 stable animals died in 42 stable fires. Anthony, a truly horrific story. Yeah, it's it, it's awful, isn't it? And um, it's interesting, I, I think, how this tugs at the heartstrings, arguably more so, certainly for a lot of people, I would say, than the hundreds of millions of animals that are killed every day needlessly for food across the world somehow this this can have more of a reaction i don't know whether i'm alone in in feeling no, that no, way no, no. um there's if, you, if you're given the choice between two ways for an animal to die one with a, a stun gun or being electrocuted or slowly choking or being burned alive in a barn i don't think many people would would choose the latter but um, can I ask Julie like what's your personal response to something like this because my initial feeling is my god that is terrible that's awful but we're, we're killing so many more like multiples of hundreds and thousands more each day aren't we for, for and we, food and those were going to get killed probably quite shortly oh, as yeah. well yes and nobody within days probably. over that yeah but I think in a way when these things happen and people are outraged by it, in a way those chickens haven't died in vain. I mean, it's just hideous that they have, but the fact that it's got into the news, their death would not be in the news if they were slaughtered routinely, Mm. but their deaths are now in the news, and people are shocked by it, and hopefully it will put some people against the setup, at least, that those chickens have been living in. They might decide that these horrible, massive, big factory farmed barn ideas, you know, are horrific. And they are. They have more, you know, bad stuff to them than just the conditions those chickens must have been living in in the first place because, you know, obviously they are a safety hazard. So their their deaths are now noticeable and people are talking about them when they wouldn't have otherwise been talked about. So there is a kind of horrible positive to come out of that. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you. And I I hadn't thought of that, that I certainly know of at least one very prominent vegan advocate, who um, Ed Winters, Earthling Ed, who I think started his vegan journey as a result of seeing a a crash on the motorway of of, um, a truck full of chickens and, and people getting really upset about the fact that these chickens that were going to die had died on the motorway instead so it kind of like you say it it prompts questions for some not all unfortunately but for some as to the the cognitive dissonance i think it's worth saying as well that probably the response to this and indeed that the article went into it a little bit but from a, a government level will be to look at stable safety and things like that and i i would say 
as vegans, we don't necessarily want safer stables for animal farming. We want to get rid of animal farming. That's the, that's the bottom line, isn't it? And that's yes. But unfortunately, that's that's probably going to be the sort of municipal response to this sort of story. Were you surprised by the the huge number of animals they're losing annually in Holland? Like one hundred and thirty thousand stable animals dying in fires in one year. Like that's absurd. Like even if you just let's take the animals out of it, if if that's your business. You're losing that much stock per year. That's ridiculous. We don't know what the numbers are, though, that are actually getting slaughtered in their usual way and getting sold and all that. Who knows what percentage that is? It might not be very much. I know no. that the numbers of animals being slaughtered are always so much higher than you're expecting. So I yeah. don't know. Yeah, very true. Well, while we're discussing upsetting stories, let's also share this one sent in to us by a listener. Yeah, we received this message about 24 hours ago from a listener called Steve. The message reads as follows. Hey guys, love the podcast. Can you please talk about this on the next show? Fox hunting and hunting in general is a massive issue and violent attacks on sabs and vehicles and even homes, look at Chris Packham, are pretty much standard. An in-depth talk perhaps with a sab would be great. And then Steve has attached a link to a news story from Sussex News with the headline, Dramatic Video Captures Savage Attack on hunt saboteurs in east sussex so the story reads in a shocking development on new year's day members of the hunt saboteur association became victims of a brutal attack in east sussex the group's car had broken down on church road shortly after midday and while they were awaiting recovery they were violently ambushed a disturbing video captured shows four men their faces hidden but dressed in hunting gear aggressively attacking the car. They smashed windows, ripped a bag and a camera from one of the occupants and used a road cone and a tyre as weapons. Simon, a member of the group inside the car, was repeatedly punched. He suffered a head injury and was subsequently hospitalised. He later said, We were targeted after being seen broken down. I thought we were safe outside the church, but the attack was far more severe than anticipated. Thankfully, a security guard arrived just in time, preventing them from dragging me out of the car and inflicting further harm. Now, we've linked the story, but also the video in the show notes. Julie, so grateful that, that Steve has brought this to our attention. And my goodness, like yes, what, thank you, what an unsettling video. Like, I don't know about you, but it, it really shook me up seeing that. Yeah. Like, goodness knows what those people in the vehicle were feeling. Yes, absolutely. I think, though, what we're dealing with here are the members of the hunt and their employees are people whose lifestyle and their livelihood are predicated on violence and killing. And if animals' lives were given the same value as humans' lives, these people would be given life sentences for that behaviour. And in their case, it is entirely motiveless, it's premeditated, it's absolutely the worst form of killing. They don't have, as far as you can tell, they don't have a get out of, you know, um, provocation or um, mental illness or anything to defend them. It is absolutely in cold blood and they're doing it for enjoyment. Yeah. And that's outrageous so when we come into contact with people like that we they're lawless we can't expect that they will be reasonable or 
well behaved or anything they are violent killers yes yeah. and that's factual it's not opinion it it, it really shocked me like I, i'm gonna sound very green and very naive here but like i'm, I'm not used to seeing violence be- between humans on a day-to-day basis and so this video really really shook me up because you know i i identify with the vegan community and you know hunt sabs i've met lots of people who who do that at vegan festivals and things so when you're shown a video of some people in a car just sat there they're just sat in their broken down car and then all of a sudden they're having the car battered and and being really physically intimidated and attacked. My goodness. I mean, it put me off wanting to do anything like that. I, I'm not afraid of saying that. It, it, it really did make me go, oh, my goodness. But then, like you say, that this is behavior and the atmosphere, if you like, that uh, the animal victims of, of the hunt are being subjected to as well, isn't it? It's that needless merciless violence yeah. but for no yeah. reason other than enjoyment and and somebody feeling big and intimidating really really shocking steve also shared that this wasn't the only incident on new year's day so um i think this was in devon a pregnant alpaca was killed by hounds after the hunt went onto private land without permission it's that kind of time of year i guess isn't it julie when a lot of a lot of these activities are happening. And I guess the more we can report what's going on, I mean, social media is great for this, isn't it, in terms of circulating things, tagging in local police and things like that. But there's there's a lot of it going on at the moment. Yeah, well, it's hunting season and, um, you know, the meets around this time are very busy. And yeah, well, it's, it's just sad, isn't it, that these things happen? Absolutely. Well, Hopefully it's it's something that we can cover in depth on an episode of Vegan Talk in the near future. Obviously, footage like this needs to be shared, but it's uh, really incredible that, that people do still participate in, in hunt sabbing and, and doing their best to, to protect innocent animals dis- despite these threats. So again, thank you to Steve for sending the story in. And I would like to send my support to the people involved, if any of them are listening or um, in touch with any of these people that you know you have our backing here and for the person who was injured then we hope that you recover well from that and thank you for doing what you do hunt Sabs. absolutely yeah right we'll move on now let's let's hear a positive story julie let's let's go to sunny spain that's what's needed i think to cheer us up it seems like more tourist locations are opting to drop horse drawn carriages yes from mallorca daily bulletin no more horse carriages muro will have tuk tuks muro town hall plans to have eight electric tuk tuks operational by the start of the 2024 tourist season because like its neighbor alcudia Muro has been looking at replacing horse-drawn carriages for some time. The eight vehicles will be for the eight horse carriage drivers who currently operate in Playa de Muro. Muro's mayor says that the drivers themselves have requested these alternatives. They've had animal rights activists abuse them and stand in front of the carriages when they are taking tourists out. He also reportedly believes that animal welfare legislation will, in any event, ban horse-driven carriages. Good to see this is spreading across Spain's tourism industry and that campaigners' direct action has had an effect. 
Yeah, it is. And it's um, it's kind of reminding me of the earlier story about the fish in the nightclub in that single issue campaigns, direct action, it it, it can lead to, to positive outcomes, can't it? I'm going to choose to infer from this story in terms of animal rights activists abusing carriage drivers and and direct action that that it's not the same sort of direct action we've heard in the previous story in in terms of physical assault and smashing up vehicles and things like that i could be wrong but i you know if it's just standing in the way of a carriage and saying you shouldn't be doing this and sort of having some non-violent resistance I, i think i can get behind that and and if indeed that's what's happened and it's it's led to a change in behavior and indeed the the carriage drivers themselves deciding that they want to make a change that that shows what can be done by by focusing on an issue and and going with it doesn't doesn't it and and actually julie i mean it looks like this is spreading doesn't it we we reported something a couple of weeks ago from another area in spain where they're they're dropping the carriages i mean these things can have a, a bit of a domino effect can't they yeah i'm just i'm kind of interested in the choice of electric tuk-tuks <laughs> You know, would Uber had been easier? Maybe, I don't know. But um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm kind of now visualising them getting gently transported to my new version to replace the bullfighting that I want them to stop doing as well, where you just have a nice arena with and put a bull in there by all means and put a little matador in there with no sharp implements or anything at all and just let it happen whatever is going to happen in there he has got no weapons of any kind and just let him and the bull just talk it out or whatever they want to do Uh, i thought you were going to say have the bullfighter riding around in a (laughs) tuk-tuk no they no the the visitors and the viewers are just transported gently in their animal free tuk-tuk to um the the bull event that i have revisioned and revamped for 2024 yeah bring it on i mean the new the new director of um mallorcan tourism (laughs) julie oswald there we go yeah Yeah. i would go and see that (laughs) okay anthony let's go further afield now to a land where presidential candidates are assessed on their animal rights perspective it feels like we've gone to this vegan utopia now where we've got these these bull events in in spain where you know there's just bulls and people just hanging out and uh, now we're yeah in taiwan we've got presidential candidates mainly debating on animal rights perspectives as part of their their campaigns so from radio taiwan international presidential candidates respond to animal protection proposals so the Taiwan Animal Protection Monitor Network, representing multiple animal rights organisations, put forth 10 policies for the three Taiwanese presidential candidates to respond to as part of their campaigning. So these requests include a comprehensive survey on pets in Taiwanese homes, a microchip implantation and sterilisation rate of 90% for pet dogs and cats, the establishment of an animal protection police department and an animal-friendly public transportation system, amongst others. So quite nice to see these things being scrutinised as part of the debate. So what did the candidates say? 
Well, TPP candidate Ko Wenjie said that he advocates for the establishment of a universal nursing care mechanism to care for elderly, weak and disabled pets. He added that he will also vigorously implement control of breeding facilities and pet household registration, reducing potential abandonment at the source. So decide if, if that person gets your vote. KMT candidate Ho Yui was the only candidate to reply positively to the request for specialised police personnel nationwide, saying that New Taipei City has had animal protection officers active since 2011. He said he will expand this specialty to all of Taiwan's law enforcement departments if he is elected president who was also the only candidate who was in favour of the implementation of an animal-friendly public transportation system. He acknowledged that there are currently many restrictions on taking pets on public transportation, saying that he will plan pet-friendly buses and pet taxis to facilitate pet travel. So does that person get your vote? Or is it the DPP candidate Lai Ching Tei? who detailed the policies of the Tsai government, saying that the Agriculture Ministry has just established a new animal protection department, which includes a pet management section. He said that counties and cities across the country have jointly launched a 24-hour animal protection hotline. He also emphasised that there are over 3 million furry family members in Taiwan, and the government is responsible for further developing the pet culture and industry. Julie, lots to chew on here. It's just... just I don't know, my takeaway is it's just nice to hear presidential candidates being asked these questions and being scrutinised on their animal rights thoughts. Well, it's not really animal rights, a lot of it, is it? It's pets, mostly pet pet welfare. Yeah, it's kind of pet owner facilitation <laughs> in a way, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> um, I'm intrigued by animal-friendly public transport transportation, I really am, but don't you be thinking that you're then just taking your big tank of fish to the nightclub if you don't want to go. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, I, I really like your point there, though, that it's it's pet owner policies, really, isn't it? I, I don't. Yeah. I didn't hear anything there that was at all to do with animal rights, really. But it's is it a step? Is that a step yeah. in the right direction? Do you think, or is well, it just there, species? There are some animal protection officers, yeah, um, but they're already in place. Mm. But he's expanding those, so they, you would think, as long as they're not just, you know, making sure there's no pushing on the pet-friendly transportation, there they're actually taking on some other stuff. I don't know. It's it is very pet-oriented. I mean, do they have any wild animals in that? part of the world what's going on no no <laughs> like wildlife like you say 24-hour animal protection hotline that's i think as close as we get to animal rights there but i'm hopeful that it's a kind of step towards a future where animal rights and and just the welfare of animals is being something that that presidential and, and parliamentary candidates are being asked about at least nudge in the right direction just feel, feeling the need for a positive here. Let's <laughs> let's head back to the UK now then. And with it being Beganuary, the news has taken on a new look. There's a whole load of stuff to wade through when researching for the show at this time of the year. Loads of reports of new vegan options at big chains, but also a lot of response and backlash thought pieces. I say thought pieces in inverted commas, headlines, and in this case, a study being put forward as an anti-Veganuary piece. Julie's got more on this one. Yes, from the Daily Mail here. Um, <laughs> Plant-based sandwiches, 
salads and pizza are not healthier than meat option, study reveals. So, Polish researchers analysed nearly 2,000 meals from 50 fast food chains across five countries. Nice work if you can get it. Um, <laughs> finding that vegan options contained less protein and sodium, but more carbs and sugar. The chains involved included Wagamama's, Pret, Pizza Express, Leon and Burger King. The study's findings were published in the journal Nutrition, with the authors saying, This really emphasises the importance of making informed food choices, especially when it comes to consuming fast food. It exposes the illusion that plant-based alternatives of popular fast food dishes are automatically a healthier choice. You've hit the nail on the head there, Julie, when you say it's good work if you can get it. You can just imagine these researchers <laughs> just sat there, just chowing down and going, no, it's just as unhealthy. Yeah, yeah, it's awful. Munch, 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 well, are you sure? Will we have a bit more? Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I Where... was really surprised that like the, the Nutrition Journal is like, I think, quite a well-respected journal. And they're just putting out a, a, a study that's saying, yeah, did you know that fast food's not particularly healthy? Doesn't matter whether it's vegan or not. That's surely the archetype of a slow news day, isn't it? Yeah, but it's also not scientific either because we have no indication that they were actually comparing like with like. Mm. When we reported another food story um, some time ago, they were where they could actually comparing like with like and owning up when there was no equivalent mm. product for a particular item. But they're just saying that vegan options contained less, you know, this and that protein and sodium and all the rest of it. But what were they comparing with what, mm. you know? Um, they could have been looking at the desserts. When yeah. they were looking, you know, it's... and. Even if that were the case, there is nothing you can take away from this at all. There is nothing inherent in, well, that means that vegan options are not healthier. Because in that case, if the ones that are currently on offer aren't maybe as good as they could be, then step up, Wagamamas, and mm. get your act together because the possibility is there. Yeah. You know. Vegan food is not some kind of weird subset of the food world. It's anything that isn't involving slaughter and abuse. So you've got a lot to play with there. There's vegetables, fruit, pulses, fungi, even, you know, there's all the grains, all of that stuff to pick from. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's non-use, isn't it? And anyway, you know, spoiler alert, veganism isn't about health. It's about yeah. the animals. So yeah. we're not fussed by this. We're not put off. We're not upset by it. Well, and as well, nor is fast food. Like, when's the last time someone's going for fast food and is concerned about their macronutrients? Like, I'm, I'm afraid you, you probably need one or the other, don't you? Like, if you're really that concerned about, you know, what your chronometer iodine levels are, are saying you are today, then there may be plan ahead more than than stopping off at Burger King on your way home. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't want to sound judgmental. I know 
there are times when people have to stop in at a fast food joint to, you know, if they're going to eat that that day or whatever. But to me, it comes across as a straw man argument that that publications like the Daily Mail can put out there in Veganuary when there's loads of positivity about veganism mm-hmm. and they can say, oh, no, 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 here's a hot take. Veganism's not actually that healthy. And here's how we prove it. You can't always get the healthiest vegan options at Burger King. Well, <laughs> oh, really? Oh, thank you. That's so, so illuminating. There's one that I want to pull out. There's the following statement. The findings also showed that the meals containing meat were more likely than the plant-based options to have allergens such as dairy, eggs, fish and shellfish. Oh, so you're telling me that the non-vegan food was more likely to have dairy, eggs, fish and shellfish? Like, do we really need a scientific study to tell us that anyway? I know, I'm really odd. I think somebody was just offered a, a, a lot of money to find out nothing. To really. eat loads of chips. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for them. Good for them. We've got to be happy for them, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Now, Anthony, you've got a slightly different nutritional story now, one from outer space. Yes, in the week that Veganuary announced that it had sent a Veganuary flag up to the International Space Station. Did you see that one, Julie? I, I, don't, know why I they've, don't know why they've done that. But anyway, that's a separate story. This is further interplanetary news from Technology Networks. The perfect astronaut meal might be a vegan salad. So got lots of information for you here. So strap in. Listen carefully. According to a new paper published in ACS Food Science and Technology, the perfect meal for astronauts on long journeys may be a sweet potato salad. The researchers behind the study evaluated the space suitability of 10 dishes based on their nutritional content and whether the ingredients could be grown in space. They concluded that a space salad consisting of soybeans, poppy seeds, kale, peanuts and sweet potato may be the ideal meal for long-distance space travel. The research is in response to the fact that for a journey to Mars, astronauts would need substantial nutritional cuisine that could be grown in flight using recycled water. Now, to identify such a worthy meal, an international team of researchers considered 10 candidate dishes composed of several of the same ingredients, such as kale, chard, spinach, as well as animal products such as beef, trout and clams. Really odd choices there. I'm sure they had their reasons. (laughs) Try some clams. Have we thought of using clams? Anyway, the meals were first judged on their nutritional content. The nutritional requirements of astronauts are different. (laughs) Sorry, I can't read this now. I'm just thinking of these silly researchers who've just eaten 500 different vegan options from Burger King. munching on some clams they could have just given Burger King to the astronauts (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) that's fast food that's nice and easy I tell you and that Burger King stuff it's really good at not decomposing it can last for years that would never change it's partly it's more plastic than anything isn't it it can it would be great in space but julie i read a really detailed scientific review once that said that actually burger king food is not the healthiest so just a hot take for you there 
So that's okay. that's put that in, in there. Stop that in its yeah. tracks. Anyway, Alex Burgess, the assistant professor of agriculture at the University of Nottingham, said that nutritional requirements of astronauts are different from those on Earth because of the stresses placed on the human body under space conditions. This leads to a larger calorie requirement and larger quantities of certain micronutrients. Now, to guarantee a high dose of these vital micronutrients, such as magnesium, calcium and potassium, Burgess and her colleagues used computational linear programming to assess how well each of the 10 dishes met the nutritional requirements of a male astronaut whilst also being light and requiring precious little fertilizer, water and space to grow. Now, the model narrowed the options down to one dish, a vegan salad made up of soybeans, poppy seeds, barley, kale, peanuts, sweet potato and sunflower seeds. So, despite the fact they were tested, the animal products were ditched after the experiments. The meal doesn't quite hit every nutritional benchmark, says Burgess, but any missing minerals could be provided with supplements. Now, the missing micronutrients didn't rob the salad of its flavour, however. The meal was then subject to a taste test, and Burgess and her colleagues they never miss an opportunity to taste things, do they, these researchers? <laughs> um, Burgess and her colleagues said, between mouthfuls, that this confirmed the salad's palatability and highlighted areas where it could be improved during future research. Research that will also, they say, include specific dietary consideration for female astronauts who were mysteriously excluded in the initial stages. So, Julie, quite a few problems, obviously, that need solving down on Earth in the meantime. But nonetheless, I personally feel quite proud. These experiments have concluded that the, the space meals that should be used on the Mars missions should be vegan. Am I alone or, or do you feel a strange sh- kind of pride? I share your pride. I'm still slightly <laughs> recovering from the concept of the recycled water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Has, I did look at that, that and think, hmm, that's, that's a euphemism, isn't it? <laughs> made me feel a, a little bit um, queasy. But um, yes, yes, I am. Um, that's great. I think part of the reason behind some of this plant-basedness that they're talking about um, is also because they're looking at having wrecked this planet. They're looking at inhabiting another one and they cannot take animals to breed on the new planet. So they're going to have to start just from scratch growing food. So they've got to get used to that. And That's, that's such a good point. Thing isn't it so it's they're kind of getting ready for that um but yes i i am a really unfussy eater and i will eat everything really but i'm not liking hugely the sound of their salad because there's no mayonnaise there's no Uh. plant-based mayonnaise or salad cream going on there what are they what are they using for that i'm i I I think that would require too much recycled water because <laughs> I would, I would have problems feeling that that was a nice salad to have with nothing. Do you know what I mean? It just seems a bit dry to me. But if they're enjoying it and it's hitting all the nutritional things, then two things: maybe that is the vegan option they should be selling in Pret and Burger King and all the rest of it mm-hmm. to up the nutrition options there. They could. What a nice marketing idea. Astronaut salad or something. Yeah, that, yeah let's have that going on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, good. well, good for them. They could be starting something now, but I am going to need something on the side with that salad, please. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, put it to the test. If you can give them the funding, I'm sure they won't 
won't uh, be too sad to be trying more food in the research lab that seems to be the theme of the week i just just to finish that one i like the the kind of poeticness if if you like of uh, space travel starting with us sending up animals into space with no no intention of bringing them back knowing that they would die for, for the sake of science quote um in the 50s and 60s and now we've progressed to a, a stage where we're looking at making vegan food for astronauts there's something quite nice about that perhaps or maybe i'm being just a bit too dewy eyed let's um let's finish our news stories this week with one from the agriculture and horticulture development board and their latest adverts julie yes the three ads whose release coincides with the january are voiced over by Richard Iowadi and focus on the message of eating balanced. Anthony and myself have watched all of the ads, but here's a listen to one of them for anyone who's not had the joy of sampling one yet. A squeeze of this, sprinkles of that, on a skewer of this. British lamb has all the goodness of that, and is a natural source of this, that, and is a main source of this, which helps reduce that. So enjoy all the goodness of this with all the goodness of that. British lamb, enjoy the goodness. Got that? Got this. What did you think of these ads, Julie? What was your initial response? Oh. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, that was my response as well. <laughs> yes, yes. Eat balanced, isn't it, is the message. Because we don't like the inference that anything else is unbalanced because we don't like that word. Um, I don't know. Words fail me. It's actually comforting in a weird kind of way that they are feeling so defensive about their carnism that they've got to come up with that and that they've got to try and sell it to us all over again. Yeah. So I think it's a good sign in a weird kind of way. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. And like I, I go on to, I pick this up from Farming UK's website. I go on the website every week and they've been building up to these ads for quite a while. So it's it's not the case that these ads are coming out or out throughout the year. Like you say, I, I think it's no coincidence that it's this time of year it's a defensiveness in response to veganuary. And if they didn't feel like veganism was a threat, I don't think they'd be spending money on this. You know, Richard Ayawadi, I'm very disappointed in him, by the way. I thought he was really progressive and a good guy, but clearly not. But, that you know, they'll have paid a pretty pound to get him voicing things. The fact that they feel the need to do so, I think, shows that they're they're threatened. And it's, it's very transparently isn't it like when you watch the video it's it's clearly clearly greenwashing and a load of old nonsense so uh yeah good for them pouring their money down the toilet as far as i'm concerned i thought it was interesting um did you clock the bit in the dairy one where they're adding berries to i think it's some dairy yogurt to make a smoothie mm. and then and then the girl drinks it and gets like a milk mustache but it's like a berry berry mm. smoothie mustache like i don't know do you think do you think like a milk moustache seems like a bit too much now? And people want to say, oh, don't worry, they've they've not got a milk moustache. No, there's berries in there too. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. <laughs> well, just, just the whole thing's disgusting, actually. I just think, well, you know, yeah. if, if you think there's something nice about that, then 
Yeah, eat balance, you know, have a bit of murder along with your peaceful <laughs> plants, you know, it's like, ugh. Along with your astronaut salad. That's the future. Come on. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this week's top 10 stories from us. So a question to all of you listening. What are your thoughts on this week's news? Will you now be bolting to the body shop or heading down to Lewis FC for some seaweed on chips? And what is your news feed putting out there for you at the moment? Are you, are you hearing that the vegan bubble has burst or that 2024 is the vegan renaissance? Is there anything we've missed this week or in fact got completely wrong? Let us know your opinions. I think apart from my pronunciation of Lewis FC, <laughs> I was calling it Lewis. Anyway, we'd love to hear from you. And just a reminder, if you spot news or articles that you think would catch our interest, get in touch with us by email at enoughofthefalafel at gmail.com. We're also at Enough of the Falafel on Facebook, Instagram or TikTok where you can get a little sneak preview on the news that we're covering in each episode. So that's all we're covering in this show. But don't worry if you're used to more vegan talk after our news section. It's still coming. You just need to wait till Thursday for our vegan talk show. We're now keeping our vegan week news chat and our vegan talk deeper discussions on separate shows just to make it easier for you to find the content that you want more quickly. That's right, Julie. And on this week's Vegan Talk, the two of us will be discussing veganuary and how each of us would respond to a friend, work colleague or family member trying veganuary. So be sure to look out for that one on Thursday. Either set up your notifications on your podcast provider, subscribe to our feed or just check back on the Enough of the Falafel page Thursday morning and it will be up there along with our Going Vegan series, which you definitely need to check out if you haven't already. Right, that's enough of the falafel for this week's vegan news. I've been Julie. And I've been Anthony. And this has been episode 21 or so of Vegan Week. This show is kindly sponsored by our friends at Fire and Flow Coffee Roasters. And they're such great people. They're offering all enough of the Falafel listeners a cheeky 10% off orders on their online store when using the code FALAFEL10. That's FALAFEL, the number 10. Fire and Flow, a specialty coffee roastery based in the Cotswold with a fully vegan coffee shop on site. Yeah, they're a vegan founded company too. They're run by three friends, Shah, Callum and Phil, and they specialise in roasting and supplying wholesale coffee beans to coffee shops, restaurants, hotels and offices. For the wholesale part of their operations, they work with other businesses to help them get the most out of their coffee offering, with free barista training and full technical support included. The products themselves are the result of their passion for working with skilled and ethical-minded farmers who produce the highest quality beans. Fire and Flow then roast them to perfection in small batches at their roastery in Sirencester, which you can visit at any time Book onto one of their barista courses or roastery tours via their website, fireandflowcoffee.co.uk. While you're there, you can check out the beautiful, fully vegan coffee shop on site. I've been there myself. It's absolutely brilliant. And it's open seven days a week from nine till three. The last time I went, it was a Sunday afternoon. It was glorious. It's just a fab place to hang out and feel good about life. Give them a follow on Instagram to get the latest at fireandflowcoffee.com. 
And for those online orders, remember the code exclusively for our brilliant Enough of the Falafel community. That is Falafel 10. 10 is 1 and 0. So Falafel 1, 0.